You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre! I can't believe you are here. We're starting to get close to what Thomas was referring to on the podcast as La Liberation. Yes, that is true. So we are slightly liberated. We are liberated on the uh, back deck in the Niagara studio and uh, thrilled today to not be talking about uh, Chardonnay. Um, We actually have a guest. Uh, We are all socially distanced, just to make sure everybody knows that. Uh, We didn't even shake hands or hug or we didn't even fist bump or nothing. No, we just, we sat down and we got right to it. Right to it. Because (laughs) Because they're all business. There's a, there's a, there's a big game on tonight. A big game. And I just, I just want to say that because I can't believe they're up three nothing. But anyway, um, we have. I'd say I can't believe the Leafs blew it, but. I can. They haven't, they blew, they blew it all the time. They blew it all the time. Even my brother sent, sent me a thing. He said, would you watch a, a movie, because he's a Leaf fan, he sent me a, a little thing that he got that says, would you watch a movie over and over and over again, thinking that the ending is going to be different? That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is me as a Leaf fan. <laughs> I'm a Ryder fan, though. They've changed, they've changed it. I, I do have that tiny bit of hope. I think that's it. It's because my team turned it around. Eventually, the Leafs are going to have to. No? Since okay, let's get to our guests. Let's get to our guests. We've so, got enough sports. Enough sports. The Leafs do not have a curse, do they? It's not like the Bills. I don't think they have a curse. They're just bad. It's just, I get, you get a Leaf jersey on, the playoffs come by, and you forget how to play hockey. I think that's what it is. I really do. You're going to be the best player in the world. If, Mc, if Connor McDavid came to the Leafs, he would not remember how to play hockey or put one in the net. Kind of like Austin Matthews. I'm just saying. But we have another voice, obviously. That is Shiraz Mutiar. We say the last name correct. Mutiar, yeah. Yep. yep. And we are here to talk Gamay. And the really cool part here is we also have a two-parter where we're going to do Stump the Chump with Shiraz. You know what would have been good is if we had done Shiraz with Shiraz. But anyway, that would have been... No, that's, 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 that's a mind meld. That's, that's, that's crazy. That, people will be very confused. I hadn't thought of that until right now. But uh, So, obviously, we're going to be talking Gamay because you are, like, king of Gamay. So I'm going to ask the question that is on most people's mind. How do you get the name Shiraz? Oh, oh, jeez. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's actually a real name, you know, I, it's not a nickname. It's not something I named myself when I got into the industry or even beforehand. I was in Australia once and I liked that. You know, they talk about this big, bold and, uh, strapping red. And I thought, that's the name for me. That's me. (laughs) No, wasn't like that. I don't know. It's a, it's a name. It's a name. It exists. It's a Persian name. I'm not Persian, but it's a Persian name. Yeah. Apparently, my parents like the sound of it, and there you go. And maybe they were drinking it. Who knows? <laughs> They're not going to admit it now, but could be. I don't know. So, um, I was thinking about this today, and... Uh, I think you've done more of the leg I know you keep looking at me for, for but input here, but I know so, you did the more of the legwork for this. It's just... Uh, so, so uh, but I, I was thinking today, like way back when, before you, Andre, were in the industry, and I, you come into the industry in, in what year? Oh, well, I started going to Covey in 1997 okay. and working around doing my internships and stuff like that, Malavar in 2000. Okay, so you remember 13th Street before, when they oh, were yeah. on 13th Street. Absolutely. Like, they were king of Gamay at that time, and that's before your time, Andre, but they were like king of Gamay. And they held that crown for a long time, and then you snatched it away. You <laughs> really did, and I don't think they've ever recovered 
Um, they make the occasional good one, as far as I'm concerned. But I think it's. I think what I think what's happened. I was really thinking about this, like with our international Sea Day podcast last week, where we were talking about the history what of the Sea Day. I'm not saying about. it. <laughs> it's apparently um, a swear word. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think what's happened. Even like now that I've been writing for over a decade, just what I see. Because when I when I moved to Ontario in 2007, I think there was a baseline of of quality. I think what's happened is there are a handful of wineries where the the They've, they've already hit what their level of quality is. And I think there's a lot of other wineries that have caught up and have now surpassed it. And that's, that's where I think Malivore came in, because you guys made Gamay like almost from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. The grapes were planted when the winery was planted. It was an intention from the get-go to grow Gamay, but not necessarily to make Gamay. It was planted for rosé, because when Martin started the winery, he wanted to make Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and a rosé. That, that was, was kind of it. And, yeah. he said, and, he ne- and he said, I'm never making a big red. But I'm going to make a Foch because somebody talked me into like working with this old vineyard. And I'm going to make some Gewürztraminer because that's what's planted on the farm already. Well, and I still then remember everything the, just yeah. kind of snowballs from I, there. I, I, I think when I discovered Malibu, it was shortly after the first Guilty Men was made. And oh, you're, way, you're way, so what, what Malabar really got known for was that Old Vines Foch. Oh, yeah. I still talk to people that go, I love Foch. And I'm like, you don't like Foch. And they go, no, we love Foch. That Malabar one is good. And it's very similar to Baco, right? Like people say, I love Baco, but they don't. They like Henry of Pelham Baco. Right. They can't drink any other Baco because they'd spit it out and they have. <laughs> And to be fair, I, I don't think I've ever really fallen in love with the with the vote. I have sure it's good, but I haven't either. I haven't either, but it does have a huge following. It does huge. It's 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 weird. It, you know, a, a big, uh, a robust red with no tannin. You know, and, and and sometimes that's that that that's just weird to get a hold of. And then you've got these different fruits that kind of go in and out of you know, um, you know, blueberry. And and then you get dill, and you're like, and sometimes you'll you'll get the dill before the blueberry, and you're like, no, this isn't right. But then when you get the blueberry before the dill, then it's like, oh, this is kind of cool and complex. And then you just put a lot of oak in it, a lot of American oak, and that kind of just gives it a little bit of structure. People love it. I don't, you know, it's just some people they they don't they don't like pinot, they don't like gamay, but the foch is their thing, yeah. and that's great. And I like foch in the sense that it's you know we're working with mines that are 50 years old. Wow, well, you know, yeah. That's old, and and sustaining a vineyard that old is really cool, and it's part of the Niagara and Ontario history of wine. It's, it's, like, just, it's just too bad it's Foch. It's <laughs> well, I, guess, here's, I know I know we're supposed to be talking about Gamay, but I'm not thinking like, like fifty Foch years fifty years old. Like, how much? What's your crop yield like on fifty year old Foch vines? Is it still like? Because I know Baco will propagate like weeds if you let it. But, yeah, but yeah. I know, anyways. No, it's it's still it still has a balanced crop. It's not like super small. It's not like. A vinifera Pinot Noir, where you're getting down to two to two and a half tons per acre. Um, it's still a decent crop. I mean, it, it would have been ripped out of, of the vineyard if, if it wasn't, because you know a farmer has to make money. Yep. And as yep. long as it's making money, then it's working. Well, so. people are still buying it. And as I said, uh, even just this week uh, on uh, the Ontario Wine Lovers, somebody mentioned something about uh, Baco, and then somebody said, "I I really like Foch." And they mentioned Malibor, and I was like, this thing is, it's like Frankenstein. It just keeps coming back, <laughs> keeps coming back over and And not over. only was it like, you know, part of the old guard of what wineries were doing, like the few major wineries that existed for however long, but the first red that Inniskillen created when Foch. they got their license was Foch. Yeah. So, you know, hey, it has a history. I think you're just blowing Andre's mind here. Oh, I just, I love hearing about this, about this part, it's like a, about this part of the history. 
so so let's get try to get back on get topic. Back to so Gamay, at some point, you must have tried Thirteenth Street Gamay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like they were the like when they were on Thirteenth Street, they they were king of Gamay, yep. Sandstone Vineyard, yep. the regular yep. Gamay. They'd the open reserve. twice a year. Yeah, you would go there for the open house. Yep. Uh, buy your wine. Buy, yeah, get in line. Yep. And, and and buy your line. I remember doing that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Was and, was it Thirteenth Street though that made you? Like it was, it was the definitely grape? the winery that made us realize there's there can be great gamay, uh, yep. and Ken Douglas, who was a hundred percent behind it. Like I remember talking to him before I was even at Malivore, and he uh, he would talk about this story about his dad um, uh, holding on to Cru Beaujolais back in the God knows when the fifties and sixties. I, I don't even know how he got this stuff, but he would he would pull it out and say this is this is some of the best stuff and nobody knows about it yep. and i think that imprinted on ken and so when he started his winery with uh um you know gunter funk and, and which which herb is one of the coolest names herb, in the wine yeah, business and right gunter funk gunter funk yeah yeah and, and herb jacobson uh the, those four guys i think it was you know ken was really spearheading the gamma part of it yep. and he was he was driven by by that memory, and so you know, it's uh, Irv had the vineyard, and they just treated it right, and made something that people weren't expecting, and it was great. Yeah, I remember, and yeah, I remember for sure. buying that every year, and yeah. just you know, we buy by the truckload because they only, as I said, they only opened once a year. You'd get, and that was it. That's all they made. Like they were the original cult winery of Ontario. And that Irv you're talking about, that's Irv Wilms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so now Thomas is making gamay. Yeah, from that, yeah. Too, so same, same Sanson, vineyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but not Sandstone because 13th Street owns the name. Owns the name, yeah. Sandstone. Okay. So, at some point, when when do you guys? So, when do you make your first gamay with uh, with? Mel? Oh, it was 2000. Um, we had we had the Courtney Vineyard, um, and I think that was a little bit more mature. So that was the first gamay that we we worked on. Was that two? It was 2000, I think, and. Um, and then we started doing, and we loved it, and we treated it like, you know, Pinot. We babied it. It was yeah. young vines. It was really small crop um, and, uh, you know, got a, f- a great extraction and, and, and beautiful barrels to age in. And we realized, you know, it was very, you know, I wouldn't say on par right away because it was still young vines, but it was, it was something you could see the potential and like, yeah, you know, 13th Street knows what, you know, this, this, has, this has legs. Yeah. And, uh, and then we, we, we kept working on it. I mean, there were a few failures here and there. Um, trying to learn about the reduction in Gamay was really hard. Um, yeah, that was, that was a real, real nightmare. So know? when something goes wrong with reduction with Gamay, what does it taste like? like well, it was just more the smell. I mean, okay. it, it's, it, it, it was full-on, um, you know, burnt rubber. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and some, you know... Everything uh, with a, just that right amount of integration and measure looks good. You know, it adds complexity. So, you know, whether it's faults of any sort, you know, when they add up, they're good. And, and, and so at a certain point, you're liking it, liking it, and then it just, boom, you know, just goes a little bit too far. And you're like, wow. But it was because we were trying to do it in stainless, right? It was just 100% stainless. And so there's no breathing while you're aging that wine. It's, and so it can really, it can really go, go, go reductive. And, uh, so I, I don't know when it happened, and I, I can't pinpoint it, but at some point, as I said, 13th Street, and it was probably at, well, always was after they got sold, which I, I don't know when that was, I'll be honest, I can't even think about that. But they 
I don't. I, I, they still have Gamay. They still have a passion for Gamay. But at some point between the time they were sold and I don't know when, Malabar really took the mantle, and they you guys have run with it. It's it's got to be at least a decade or more. But yeah. You guys have really run with Gamay as as being not just a secondary grape, but a, a primary grape to the point where, like last year, you had like five Gamay. Did you not? Six. Six. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Like that's that's more than anybody else. Thomas has got. Sorry, are we including four. the rosé in that too? Oh, so seven plus a, the pet nat. That's eight plus uh, you know a little custom work for a friend. That's nine. I don't know. There's a yeah, lot see, of I was gamut. I was just talking about the ones that are red. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even go into there. But but at some point, you guys really took it and just started like really really running with yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and you and you treated it like a like a serious grape. Yeah, it, there was a moment for sure. I mean, we were we were pushing it. We we had we were buying fruit from uh, from uh, Wismers in, in from about two thousand and four, five, somewhere around that on, and uh, so we could we could build our production, and so we were getting bigger with it. Um, Courtney certainly made a statement right off the right off the hop, um, but funny enough, I mean, when we. Um, God, when did Summerness start? Do you remember Summerness? Yep. Collect, collection yep. of, uh, I think it's around of 2010. 2010. And so we brought in, um, um, what's the guy's name? Uh, from the Wine Spectator, Kramer, Matt Kramer. And uh, he came to speak. Uh, uh, he met all the producers, right? And then we had the Summerness event and he spoke. And, uh, and then he wrote about the wines that he tasted in the wines, or, or he just, you know, took stock and whatever. And uh, he, like, commented right off the hop. He says, listen, and he literally took me aside. Loved your Chardonnay. Sorry, I, I swore. Um, oh, it's oh, only no. when I say it. <laughs> you and I can say it. He can't. Oh, he can't. Okay. So that's what I, the, the fun part is to just uh, say Chardonnay and try to make him say Chardonnay. Right. That's okay, okay. I've got to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he, 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 he loved what was going on. He's like, these are, these are the best out of Burgundy. And uh, I, know, I, I appreciate what you're trying to do with Pinot Noir. Not sure you really got it. But man, oh, man, that Gamay. You guys have to go for that. That is, without question, the best red or best gamay I've tasted. You know, in outside of Beaujolais, and maybe you know, you know, he, he was really. And was that message going, to, to you and to Malivore specifically, or to well, all the all the people in somewhere? He he no he he said it directly to us, but then okay. he mentioned it again on his subsequent visit to uh, to uh, Ontario and and said it in a big speech in front of a whole bunch of producers. Well, but, but I mean that's it. Was because making wine is is site specific, and there's a lot of people who really are you know they're on the the Burgundy vision, right? The C word and Pinot Noir. Which is uh, stop it. <laughs> uh, but to have you know that kind of declaration from a respected wine professional like that to say Gamay is something we need to go for. I yeah, think, I think is something people really need to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we were obviously loving the style that Gamay was giving us. We were we were feeling more rewarded by you know that just it, it, it's just the vibrancy and the and, and the the fruitiness of it, and it, it it was all there, right? It was. Once we kind of figured out all the kinks in the first decade of, of working with Camay, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, this is this is this is great, and uh, and Pinot is 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 the endless struggle. I mean, you have to be. Uh, it, it's it's just it's it's just hard, right? It's hard is Gamay to, easier to work with than Pinot? Oh, I think so. Absolutely, it's easier to grow. 
Um, it's it's not gonna it's it's not gonna break down right you know a week before you want to pick it. So it's got a thicker skin. It's got it? a thicker skin. Yep. Um, it ripens still pretty early. It comes off a little after uh, Pinot, but not too far after Pinot. And um, you know you get a bigger crop, which is nice. So it's 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 beneficial to growers as well. You just still have to thin it a lot because it it wants to throw a lot of fruit. So you have to be careful about that. Um, but you don't have to. You know, you can make a few mistakes. Let's just say that. You know, and you can play around with it in different in, ways. In the vineyard and, or, in the, or in the winery? Or in both? the winery. In the okay. winery more. I mean, in the, in the winery, I just feel like if, if you're, if, if, if you're um, on the skins for a day too long or a day too, too less, if the temperature of that ferment got, you know, two degrees warmer than you wanted it to or it didn't warm up enough, uh, all those things have an impact that, you know, is, and you just don't know what it is until you, and when you get it right, you don't know which one part of it you got right. <laughs> so, so it's frustrating. It so was you, frustrating. You brought a bag with you. You've I got do. some. We've so got I think it's left. time to start tasting some Gamay and, and find out what, because I think you said you've got some, even some new stuff, like some brand Yeah, yeah, brand, new. brand you know, new stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm happy at how Ontario-centric this conversation is, even talking about your, um, your history, Shiraz, but... Is is Beaujolais something that is? There you go. Uh-oh. And there's the pet net. There's the pet the... net. <laughs> She's live. <laughs> is Beaujolais something that is aspirational for, like, or something that informs your winemaking style, or are you really just kind of going with what no, tastes good? It to you? has to because uh, we we did a trip. You know, once we really uh, decided to go um, really deep into Gamay, we went to Beaujolais to 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 learn and to. To, to visit, talk, and, and understand, and taste. And, um, you know, what I came back from, from that visit has, has stuck with me. Because, like I said, when we started, we were making Gamay like Pinot. We were trying to, you know, get the cold soak uh, for a couple days and then warm it up. You know, fully distemmed, long two-and-a-half uh, weeks of uh, fermentation and then all into barrel, right, for 12 months. And we go to Beaujolais in June, and almost nobody has anything to taste in barrel. It's all been bottled already. And, it, and, that, and that just struck me. It was like, wow, you guys just don't care for, for aging in barrel. It's like, no, don't need to. And so that was the first thing I did when I got back. Is like, all right, let's start pulling these things out of barrel, you know, after four five, six months. That's it. That's all it needs. And uh, that really changed, I think, the way the Gamays were... So even were, Courtney is a... Is a no, ex- except for Courtney. Okay. There, 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 there's going to be some exceptions to the rule, right? And there's, and there's exceptions of the rule in Beaujolais, too, depending, depending on who you're talking to and what they're doing, right? So... Yeah, people don't re- don't know what happened. We were, we we made a like a little whoop <coughs> as as the pet net. So we have a pet net called uh, 2020 Amaranth, and um, Amaranth. Yes, Amaranth. I got yeah. it. And uh, it, it's exactly the reason I'm not a fan of pet net <laughs> is that it blew up all over the deck. Yeah. <laughs> so you basically paying my for, for a yeah. Well, I'll have to hose it down later. That's fine. But I mean. You know, you you pay for a seven fifty, and you can only drink five hundred. Yeah. You know, it's uh, part of the things I don't like about PetNet. This is interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it was meant to be an experiment. I, I I'm I, looking at the at the fizz on this and, and tasting the flavor profile on it. I'm almost wondering if there might be a, a Lambrusco style sparkling gamay down the road. I think there is. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't, you know, it's, there's something in the works, but it's more traditional. Oh, okay. Quote, unquote. Um, but, yeah. Traditional sparkling. That's right. Okay. That's right. Not traditional Lambrusco. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good clarification. I want to make sure that was. But this was a pure experiment. Like, let's pull off um, to make a couple, a, a, literally two kegs. So pull pulled the juice off off of um, the uh, uh, red ferment of Gamay uh, when I figured it was the right time to do it when we had enough color, and um, and then uh, my uh, our, one of our winemakers, Elisa Mazzi, she's. She's Italian. She she yep. she 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 knows sparkling uh, uh, a lot better than I do. So I said, "Have fun with this. I want I want I want to do something like this." She she hated the idea of doing pet night. She she's never tasted one she liked. So I'm like, "But you but you will make one that you like." <laughs> Here's what we're gonna do, and uh, and so we, we we pulled it off, and then uh, <clears throat> yeah, she 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 was kind of pulling her hair out, and I'm like, "Just have faith," um, because it was sort of like. The ferment's raging and going great, and then once you pull it off the skins, it's like, oh, all right, or you know, you've just, you've, it's like you've, you've, you've taken, you know, uh, a sleeping baby out of its bed and and gone outside in the middle of winter. It was, it was unhappy, um, but it was coaxed back into 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 a good spot. Michael, do you like the taste of this? Not really. <laughs> really? No. Uh, you know what I did? I, I did for the first few sips, and then as as I as I, I've been sipping on it. I'm like, no, still not. It's, 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 it's got more things I like than I don't like, but I find there's like a little bit of, well, not a little bit. There's a bitter note that really note, hits, yeah, on, no. the, hits yeah. on the finish, and it's just like, you know, it's a nice torrent of very vibrant and delicate fresh fruit, and then the bitter note is... is that's what's that's, yeah. that's what pulling me totally away from, from liking this. I yeah. think I like I like the, the the mouth entry. The cherry is 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 nice. It's vibrant. It's what I expect. And then that bitterness hits, and I'm like, yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's and a cool. It's a cool. It's a cool experiment. And we and here's the thing: is I think Michael and I both understand that we are not the target market for this wine. No, this is this is a pretty uh, small market. In fact, like I said, wasn't going to sell it. And the the boys at Dispatch uh, heard about it and tasted it and said, "Bottle it up. We'll sell it." I'm like, okay. All right. well, how much are you selling it for? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, I don't know. Okay, um, it sold out. You never, you never oh, ask really? a winemaker how much is the, his wine is selling for because he either uh, no, he usually freaks out. And goes, I put all that effort in, and you're selling it for that. <laughs> so that's usually what you know. At, 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 and it's at any winemaker's dinner I've ever been at, the, the, you ask the winemaker, and then you ask the you know the, the, the owner, manager, the marketing the owner, manager, somebody, somebody, and then they go, oh, that's uh, fifteen ninety five. Are you kidding me? I'm never making that again. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Or, yeah, you know, you, you imagine these uh, these winemakers from Europe who are doing yeah. the rounds with their LCBO agent, and they're like, "We sell it for what here? Yeah, <laughs> seven ninety five. What?" And they're like, "Oh, the LCBO. Why, why am I why am I making that? All right, so let's move on to something I have a chance of liking. Oh, come on, there was a chance you were going to like that. Sure, there was. And then it exploded all over the deck, oh. and I went, "Oh, it's Bennett!" <laughs> so I was all excited for a second there. And I went, oh, uh, look at look at the sediment in your glass there, Shiraz. Oh, I know. And you're and I that's know. the top of the bottle. Yeah. No, that was no, the, no, 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 he, no. He had, so it, uh, it shook around. Okay, okay. okay. this is all third. on its leaves, right? He took the third. I took you the took third. the first. You took all right, all right, second. Okay. He's got the third. Yeah. All right. So yeah. what else yeah. you got? All right. What else do you have in the bag of your bag of tricks? 
I'm actually looking forward to my bag of tricks today. I really got some interesting stuff today for the uh, for the stump the chump, which we're going to do with you. Who's the chump? It's, we're all the turn, chumps. Turns out to be all of us because I picked them out early this morning, and then he forgets and I which ones I, I wrap them, and then I have no idea what I've got anymore. So that's <laughs> so you can be stumping yourself. Yeah, so I stump myself. Good, good. But for every one of them, I'm going to go. It's I definitely get a gamay note. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, start with this one. So I've got three 2020s here. Okay, um, all single vineyard. Oh. Uh, so the first one we're going to try is the Genova Gamay. That's Vimeout Ridge. Okay. So just south of Beamsville on top of the escarpment. Uh, the other two that we have is an estate vineyard, but it's 100% uh, whole cluster. Okay. So it goes for a pretty decent carbonic. And then the, the third one is our Wismer Foxcroft Gamay. Okay. So the G- Genova, uh, this is the first time uh, you made it last year. Correct? Or yes. No? Yeah, 2019, yeah. I think, was the first yeah. year. Yeah. First time I'd seen it, and yeah. I was like, wow. That's when I, we realized you guys were doing a whole... So you're just looking for Gamay vineyards all over the... Well, this, this vineyard we have. We, okay. we manage this vineyard. So uh, on top of the escarpment, and it originally had everything planted there. Okay. It, had, it had... What's your favorite white variety that begins with C again? <laughs> <laughs> this is just mean that you're in on this now. <laughs> So it had a lot of the seaward planted. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It had had gewurz, it had I, pinot gris, I don't like it had right cab. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have hijacked the, the podcast. How about that? There was cab sauve and cab franc there too, and so that was, you know, it, it, it didn't make it through the really cold winters. I've got do, this corkscrew. I don't know how to. Do you use need it. some help here? Oh, I I, I know which do one. You know how, yeah, you know how that works. Yeah, it's got a funny little little thing right here. You can tell you don't you don't open wine very often. You just pour it right just, with just the thief. I have a wine thief. Yeah. So there we go. You got to back it. Up. I had to open oh. one today with that. So then you okay. have to back it up a little. It's uh, it's one of those ones where the with the two step does not. It's not always visible. So it's really a pain. In, it really is a pain in the ass. It looks cool, <laughs> but it's a pain in the ass. For people who are are just tuning into the podcast now, I've up? just watched oh, two people who have been in this industry. With a combined like experience longer than I've been alive, have trouble using a corkscrew. All right, fine. You get to open the next one, and we'll see what we use it. And we're not going to give you any te- any pointers or hints on how to use it. Sometimes these sample corkscrews end up in the lab, and because nobody else liked them, <laughs> and we now know why nobody liked them. Well, I'm at the point in our house where we just have a, a basket in the kitchen because so many corkscrews get sent with samples, or you go to events and they disappear, and yeah. But at least we always know where there's a corkscrew. Yeah, I have a, a bundle of them downstairs as well. So this is um, so 2020, obviously very different from 19. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I I've noticed about 19 was the acidity, which was you know absolutely great in uh, in white wines, made them really vibrant and, and fresh. Um, and in, in red wines uh, like your Gamay's, you know, have that great acidity. But it, I noticed that um, that they kind of lacked a little bit in the fruit department, just a little because the acidity seemed to be so high. Yeah. The 2020, obviously, a, a better vintage for for ripened fruit. Like this thing just screams fruit. Like yeah. just that's all. It yeah. Means, it, it's, it's all it wants to do, and the acidity hides in the background. Like but this is don't beat me. <laughs> Wines like this, though, I really love in in. Um, in Niagara, because it smells like candy, like it smells like yeah. cherry, but it doesn't smell like cherry pie, because that's where you get that like that over the top juiciness that oozes out of the glass. This is 
elegant and restrained, but but there is a juiciness to it as it, well. It, it smells like fruit snacks, like uh, like <laughs> yeah, gushers or like, and, and I mean that in the nicest way possible because <laughs> I know we're talking about like I don't know. It's just it's it's the thing that I wanted in my lunch that my mom would never buy for me because it's not good for you. And now that I'm a grown up, when I can find a wine that smells like this, it's just satisfying. So the, a, a, a serious question though, all under cork. Why yeah. didn't you not go with Screw Cab with these single vineyards? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I could have gone either way, to be to be fair. And uh, I think I was just bottling it on the day that uh, we're doing Courtney. Yeah. And no, actually, that that that's not true. That's not true. But I'm I'm thinking about when we first did these these wines, and we just chose to do it under cork. I think we wanted to see how how they evolve. Now these are DM corks, so they're yeah. not they're they're, yeah. they're 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 the composites. Um, so they have a better, better chance of not being corked than yeah, very much of a better chance. Yeah, and and the age, the, the aging is a little bit slower in these than a, than a regular cork. They're they're the DM ten, so you can get them as low as DM one. Yeah, so they're they're good for a year or two. Uh, and then what? They break down the bottle and you end up with <laughs> like little pieces of cork. Well, no, it's it's a it's a warranty from I the know, company. I, I think we've talked about it on the podcast yeah, was, before. Yeah, yeah just maybe. having some fun with that, but. But yeah, no, really, well, like we've tar- always just done these single vineyards essentially with 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 under under cork as opposed to stelvin, and it, it's tradition that stuck around. Did did not spit a spit a drop of that. That was too. I had to force myself to spit it out because I know we have more wines coming. But you're right; like it that was it really- hits it hits your tongue and it just rolls off the back of the tongue. And then, in spite of that, like candied that candied fruit aroma and flavor, like nice spice notes on the finish, like very much. Very much like a great expression of Gamay. And you, and you can tell, like, totally freshly bottled. Like, when did you bottle this? A few weeks ago? Um, no. Um, yeah, you're right. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, usually... I wanted to do... say a month ago, but I'm just shy of a month. <laughs> so, so, you know, when you pull the cork out, usually you can turn it around and put it back in the bottle. But the cork has not had time to adhere to the bottle. Yeah. I can't even put it back in. No. So, anyway, just a weird little thought there, but... Anyway, so that's that's absolutely delicious. And what what is the price on that one? You don't know. Why do I ask? Forget it. I didn't ask it's that. It's somewhere. Question. Cut that I, question I want... out, Andre. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> twenty-two to twenty-seven. I don't know. Oh, okay, all right. So, <laughs> it's in that yeah, range. so single vineyard. Um, you know, and you you said you own the shirt. Okay. <laughs> okay. Andre's <laughs> now going to take. Uh, let's see how, you... uh, how the smart ass does on this one. Ass doesn't count, does it? We we've okay to have with ass, right? Um, let me just check the list. I actually pulled the spreadsheet up because I know we're about to get things going. No, ass is okay. Oh yeah, all right. Ass is all right. It's not on the list. Oh, oh okay. Oh, well, there you go. You can all just right. go ass. Asshole <laughs> go is also okay, isn't it? We did an asshole on there, right? Uh, crap. I, I remember. I remember doing a class with Chris Waters once. It was. Uh, I, I, I was. I was. About. I got this open right away. I was not long from. I, I graduated from Brock, yeah, and I had taken all the wine courses I had, and then, and then, um, and then they they come up with a, a new class, and Chris Waters is teaching it. So I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I, I needed a I needed an opportunity to get out and taste, and I'll never forget this one girl, and she was super young. She couldn't have been 18 or 19, working at uh, at, at a winery in a retail. And and Chris was like, so what, what what do you what do you think about this wine? How does it smell? And she's like, it smells like ass. And just the way she said it, it just smells like ass. <laughs> I'll never forget that. So anyway, Genova was up on top of the escarpment, Vimeout Ridge, really cool. Got uh, this is the estate vineyard. 
And then, right. So now we are we are uh, liqueur, liqueur, right? Yeah, liqueur. So, so th- what is the liqueur? Because um, I hate to say this, I was not a big fan last year, and mostly because of, of the smell. And I think it's got the same smell. Yeah. Well, so, you're, you're not a fan of carbonic then. Not a big fan ah, of this. Interesting. This one, interesting. This is all carbonic. So. Uh, all the fruit is, is, well, all the fruit in general is handpicked, uh, but this is not distemmed, goes into the vat, whole cluster with some dry ice, and then sealed up for 10 to 12 days, and I do nothing to it. And <clears throat> after 10 days, I look at it, taste a few berries, making sure that they're popping in my mouth, so there's carbonic going, and I might just do like a little wash over. So you know when you're when you're fermenting reds, you do either a punch down, physically uh, push the, the 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 grapes back into the into the into the the fermenting juice, or you do a pump over, where you take the juice from the bottom and wash the cap over the top, essentially just to ensure that uh, you're not getting. Uh, uh, you're keeping the skins in contact with the juice, as much, getting the extraction. As much juice as possible. Yeah, exactly, and, and not having any potential spoilage. Well, there's 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 no there's no juice to actually make this cap rise. So there's no cap when you're doing carbonic. So you might just want to wash it around just to make sure that you know there's nothing bad happening on top. But because there's so much CO2, there isn't. And so I did nothing. I didn't even stomp on these grapes. I never crushed them once, and then just let it go, and then press it at the end. You get a bit of sugar coming out when you when you press. Uh, but look at the color. You s- still got full color extraction yep. without ever breaking a single berry at any point in the time until the press. So this is my fun project. I love it. I, this is the, you know, there, there's, there, there, we make many wines. This is the only wine in the whole winery that I do everything. Okay. Yeah. So I like the palette better than last year's. <laughs> I didn't taste that. last year's. I did. <laughs> um, so I like the palate better, but the nose has still got that that kind of a funky, stinky thing going on. I don't, I've got. I feel like the the mineral notes really amplified on this, like in a way that a lot of the reds don't show mineral. Um, it's got like a light dusting of cocoa over some darker cherry notes. It's definitely not the fruit snacks from the last one. And that makes you sad or makes you happy? I just like like the way this smells. This oh. sm- smells like some. This this smells like good Beaujolais, but I've. I know I've even written in my tasting notes. I try hard not to say Beaujolais when yeah. I'm writing about Malivore's wines, but I mean it's hard not to. It's really hard not to when when the quality gets up to yeah. the other wines you're drinking. It's it's just the smell that that almost turns me off, and then and then the palate is 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 much better. Like it's it's again you know a lot of a lot of fruit that uh, that comes out of that. So I'm 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 liking it better than I did last year. So you're learning something. Oh, thanks. But. Good for you. For well, learning. the first time I did carbonic uh, on Gamay was 2008, and uh, and then I think I tried it again in in 2012 or something like that. But it wasn't until 2015, and even in the 2015, it was sort of touch and go. It was like a very lively wine. Yep. You never knew what it was going to taste like every day. But I would say from 2016 on, or it's 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 been getting better for sure. And uh, I like the idea of not. Like having a wine where you just put it in a vat and forget about it. So what, what's the turning point then that you felt that you had reached a certain benchmark to just stick with stick with this style, to stick with carbonic in well, winemaking? I mean, the, the, the carbonic has been part of, uh, has been growing in all the wines that we make. Um, I tried it in Courtney one year, but I dialed it back. I, I, I realized Courtney has to be what it has become. You know what I mean? When a wine becomes bigger than what 
what it what it what you could do with it. It's just it's got a it's got a presence. It's got a reputation. And it's got a life of its own, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and in fact, I think you just say Courtney, and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, but I, but every other wine has has started to get a higher and higher proportion of of whole clusters. So whether it's started out as being ten percent, got to twenty five percent. On average, now it's about thirty five percent. And this wine here that you're about to taste, uh, the Wismer uh, Foxcroft Vineyard, is fifty percent. And, you know, sometimes it's just the vineyard that you're going to figure out where the best sweet spot is on, on the percentage of whole cluster. So for the liqueur, how does it come by that name? Liqueur. The heart. The heart. It's Correct. the heart. I got yeah. that, but yeah. what is it? I, I think it, it, it was inspired by a trip to Beaujolais, the heart of Gamay. Got it. And okay. that's right. where the name came from. So you're, you're doing all this work with, with Carbonic. Um, we tasted your pet nuts, so you've done some... Avant-garde, front front of mind experimentation. Have you thought about experimenting with maybe some more traditional Beaujolais styles, doing a nouveau, or maybe experimenting with an ancestral? Yeah, yeah, ancestral would be cool. Um, especially, you know, we make we make the, our our uh, our muscat. I can't remember what the it, it interchanges with another variety that begins with C. Andre might know. What is that? What is that one? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Muscat. Damn, what the heck is it called? Anyway, we call it our Melon spritz. De Muscat. <laughs> what is it? Uh... We call it our spritz. Our Chardonnay Muscat spritz, and and that and that was sort of inspired by like a really uh, 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 almost premiere kind of kind of release, really early, really fresh, sparkling. Uh, so it always made sense that we should have done uh, an ancestral gamay as well. But it just never came to pass. Maybe it will one day. Um, uh, what was the other? other? Our nouveau. Oh, a nouveau. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the I, I don't think I can get my shit together fast enough to get that released uh, in time oh. for November. That that that. <laughs> there's just no way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can I can tell you because the first wine that we made with uh, ADX was um, nouveau, and it, I, I call it the the best and the worst decision we've ever made. It was the best because it's what got me, I think, a little bit more embedded in the wine industry. It was the worst because it was so not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this Wismer Frostcroft seems to be more, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, typical of what I expect from, uh, from Niagara Gamay. I don't know why. I don't know how I can put my finger on it to make everybody understand. I've tasted a lot of Niagara Gamay, but that one seems to be as typical as you can get. It's really good. It's really fresh. It's really juicy. It's got. It seems to have um, a good backbone to it, but the tannin is so mm. soft. Like it's not even like velvet. It's yeah. like I don't know. It's it's like it's lubricating the back yeah. of your tongue beyond that. I know. There's this really sweet resiny extracted fruit there. That, you know, there's it's, it's lovely. Something about it that just makes me go, yeah, that that's gamay. Well, and, and the texture is. Um, it's like, it's ephemeral. Like it feels, it feels big. Like it feels like it has a bit of the gl- the glycerol, but because of how that tannin is so soft and it rolls off the back of your tongue, it's like, it's gone before it's, it's there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never felt anything like this <laughs> in my mouth. But that's, that's, you know, if, uh, as I said, it's definitely not Pinot. You'd never guess it as Pinot. You'd never guess it as anything else. Yeah. That's. that's yeah. It's got all the f- aromas of, of, of the, the berry fruit and the pepperiness yeah. that you expect in Gamay. Correct. Niagara Gamay. Niagara Gamay. Like yeah. that is the, 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 
the Genova has, has got something different to it. The liqueur has got something different to it. But that Wismer Fox crop is just quintessentially Niagara Gamay. That's the one that... And how, what's the oak treatment on this? Um, <clears throat> is it six months, five or six months in uh, a few barriques, which are 228, and, and hogsheads, which are 300 liter? They're all between five and 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All French. Okay. Yeah. So not, not, no new, new, new oak no, or anything. No, nothing like even close to new yet. All right. So then, that's really good. That's a really nice lineup of, uh, of 2020. And you've got, what, yeah. three more 2020s as well? Or you got more, not today. But yeah, I yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there's all the farmstead, yep. uh, which, you know, a blend of uh, um, bench and Niagara like fruit. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Right? Um, a lot of mostly stainless steel. Got it. Uh, the small lot, which will taste the 2018. Um, that's uh, I, I've yet to bottle the 2020 yet, um, but that's more oak. Yep. Um, it spends probably just over six months in barrel, and it's all estate fruit. Uh, and then Courtney. Yeah. So are. it's I th- I think it's that small lot, and because we're gonna we're gonna taste one now um, that. When when was the first year you made small lot? Because I remember that was the time you, that was your third gamay, and it re, you really yeah. started. Well, I think doing the, something. The small lot was always being made, right? It was we started. With it was ours. just so small, nobody yeah. saw it. Yeah, <laughs> Martin took it all home, and he's like, "Ah, eh, screw everybody." I'm taking one it. of those marketing things. <laughs> uh, how can we make it more desirable? Call it small lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually just a regular small gamay. Small. It's actually just a regular gamay. We just throw a small lot and How charge high it five high. bucks more. So, <laughs> so we, I mean, it's always been a steak-grown fruit. So our, our first our first gamays would have been that. And then when we started buying and blending um, and growing a, a gamay to be the wine for, for vintages, because we got a, a vintages uh, uh, listing, um, that's when we made the small lot and, and, and took a portion of the state back into a single estate vineyard. No. And so I, I can't remember when that was, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, maybe. And, and, and that was where I realized how serious you guys were starting to take it. Cause the small lot was actually, as I remember tasting all three of them, the, cause the Courtney obviously stays in barrel. So it's always a year behind. Yeah. So twenties are coming out. It'll be 19 Courtney this year yeah. that gets released. But I remember tasting them all and, and realizing that they're really, you know, obviously, Courtney, there was definitely a difference. But between the regular Gamay and the small lot, you definitely, ha- there was definitely a difference to that. It wasn't just, yeah, we're just p- pulling off a couple of barrels and, and, and calling it small lot. Yeah. Uh, you actually made something that was totally different. And uh, the small lot has continued to be a, a favorite. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it, 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 is, it is the best expression of our Gamay. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Continues to be. So there you go. I guess we should open it. So obviously under under screw cap, the small lot. How many of the gamays go under screw cap? Is it just the regular and the small lot? Yep. Okay. Yep. So we're 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 back to a, a screw cap. We're eighteen, which is a, a. I am never a fan of eighteen, just as a vintage. I think it's kind of a boring vintage. Oh, it is. Come on, don't oh, seven seventeen. Really interesting vintage. It's got a story to tell. Eighteen. Sure. What's the story you tell at 18? Oh, I love, uh, I love a, 18 because 18 was like, it was, it was the literal opposite of 17. Correct. Like 18 looked like it was going to be this like bang in summer. Yeah. And then like what, September then, 15th, it just started it just to rain, rain Yeah, it just started it, to rain. It turned into, but yeah, I mean, yeah, for, yeah. for, for, for Gamay, it would have been okay because the rains don't hit until 
late September or October, so you probably picked your gamay. We're, we're right in there, yeah. Yeah, I think we picked it before. But I mean, for Cab Sauve, Cab Franc, we kind of got oh, yes. lost in the in the in the mix there. I think uh, one wine. Uh, but that's said, your problem, Michael. You're you're judging the vintage based on the wrong variety. Just judge it on gamay. <laughs> well, I find even with that, like a lot of the, just a lot of the Chardonnay. Yes. How much money is that? It's a nickel. It's a nickel, but I, I, I've, I've put almost twenty bucks. I think, anyways. But a lot, a lot of, a lot of those wines have been sh- like just really showing oak, uh, yeah. even for people that I don't ex- expect to have the wines showing oak from twenty eighteen, and, and yeah. it's been kind of across the board from Flat Rock to Thomas to Westcott. Like it's been really unusual to see because you, you would expect like those early ripening varieties to. Have have really held up well, and I think the other problem is the twenty seventeen turned into such a spectacular vintage for those cool those cool early ripening yeah. varieties. Just eighteen has got nothing. Okay, I'm not saying the wines aren't exciting. I'm just it doesn't have a it doesn't have a story to tell. And if you remember the the time we talked to uh, Craig McDonald. Um, in one of our garage podcasts, that was during the height of COVID, where I had people in the garage and we were sitting sitting at the opposite ends of the <laughs> with the garage. With, <laughs> yeah, and um, he said that um, so three vintages. So he broke uh, Niagara vintages down into groups of three. So you got three vintages in a decade, which are fantastic. You got three that are horrible. You got three that are, eh, which I think eighteen falls into. And then you've got one that's the wild card. You never, you never know what's going to be. Great vintage, you don't know. If there's, but he says within a decade, and, I, and, and you can go through it. Within a decade, that's kind of the way it goes. You get three, three, and three, and then your wild card vintage becomes, you know, 17, I think, becomes that wild card vintage because it looked like... Sure, as, what, do you or, agree with that? What do you think, what do you think about that? I, I mean, I, oh, I agree with anything that Craig McDonald says. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's, he's he 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 knows the peninsula better than anybody. He gets to he gets to walk into so many vineyards and yep. and know what's going on. Uh, gets to see uh, so many wines being made in so many different styles. Um, yeah, he, he he and he's dialed in. And he gets so, compared to BC too, right? So, and that's right. Yeah, that's so right. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's but yeah, for sure. There's definitely two or three great vintages, and you know you, you have to put some sort of context into great, you know? So yep. I think great means where every variety worked, yep. right? Because I, 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 if, if, if there's a vintage where, you know, Cab Sauve and Merlot rocked, but uh, our favorite white variety didn't, I'm not going to call that a great vintage. The <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I'm trying to say. That's a great thing about, yeah. No, no, I, I, I completely get what you're saying. I, it's, it's, I think, I think... It's a habit that I've gotten out of, and I think, Michael, we're both out of the habit, but a lot of people who are the Niagara fan people need to get out of the habit. It's just calling those hot summers the good vintages, because it's not. It's hot vintage, cool vintage, and... No, because 18 would theoretically fall under one of those hot vintages that everybody would think was great, but because... So 18 18 was was the wild card then because of those unpredictable harvest conditions. Uh... Yeah, I guess seventeen and eighteen. You know, well, yeah, I think I think they're, maybe they're, we should maybe we should get Craig on to break down the past ten years and figure out which are the three, three, and three. Well, I hmm. think we could figure that out on our own, couldn't we? Uh, I want to hear what Craig has to say about it. it says two thousand and two, two thousand and five, two thousand and seven, two thousand and ten, twelve, twelve, sixteen, sixteen, and then we're at the start of a new decade here. Uh, seventeen probably falls into that great vintage 
because of, of the way it was. 19 was kind of a mediocre vintage as well. But look at 2009. It was a terrible vintage. But great for a city. But great for a city. Great for great, great Pinots. And it's the nines, right? Yeah. 2009, 2019. 2019. Exactly. Great vintages yeah. for acidity. You like acidity? Those are your vintages. I had bottles. Uh, if uh, Remember, Daryl Brooker made the very first uh, Sauvignon Blanc for Trias in 2009. Made It, it, it tastes exactly like New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, they sold it for like twelve ninety five, which was like stupid pricing. Yeah. That one was underpriced from Trias until up until like 2017. But it was still a, like the cheapest one in their portfolio, and then fantastic. And I had I had I because I bought tons of it. Had one ten years later, and it was still drinkable. Not great, <laughs> <laughs> but still drinkable to those who like you know acidity and beeswax. All right, Michael. Michael, what, Michael, what do you think about this small lot? I like the small lot. I think it's 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 where it where it should be. Um, I think it's. Uh, I'm just going to grab a, a little bit more because I did. Um, I I do think that. I like how the the fruit profile is a little heavier than the three wines under cork that we've just drank, but the finish is still like light. It's and very clean it's light. And it, it's very it's light. light and fresh on the palate, but it's got some. It's Oof. got some nice nice. Uh, yeah yeah. It's, it's on very the nose purpley and and. Just aging, really nice. It's it, in a nice. It's got a, it's got a nice entry, and it's got a very light finish. And and, and but I think it's just going to continue to get keep getting that light finish. I don't think that finish. So uh, car, how much carbon? This is carbonic as well. Or oh, a little carbonic. bit. Like yeah. th- this would have been like maybe twenty percent. Oh, maybe less. It's the twenty eighteen vintage. Yeah. You know, you got to have the cleanest fruit, perfect clusters. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, so the rain had started. <laughs> I, I I think I, I can't quite remember. So this was a great look at what you what you have coming out. Um, well, the eighteen is actually sold out. Uh, well, oh, well, eighteen. Yeah. Thank gone, you for so, sharing yeah, yeah. the the back look at that. Thing. But this is a great look at the at the twenty twenties coming out, showing us what kind of vintage uh, uh, Gamay is going to do. We're going to, uh, I think, close this one off. Yeah, and then we're going to invite you back in five minutes. For you people at home, I don't know when Andre's going to release it, but <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to invite you back, and we're going to we're going to pull out seven bottles of Gamay. So let's uh, let, let's do this properly then. All right, let's do I'm it. I'm Andre Pru from AndreRyanReview.ca. You can follow me on social media at AndreRyanReview. Make sure you check out Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Two Guys Talking Wine. I know I always say this, and it really sounds like we're desperate for cash, but we kind of are. It's not expensive to keep a podcast running, but we do have our costs, equipment you know, hosting costs, this and that. So even 2 or $3 a month is something that is very helpful for us. And, and we have to pay for Shiraz swearing all, all day. No, and, 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 and no. cleaning the deck. And cleaning the deck. Now i got to get a professional cleaner in here because I'm a pet bed, for God's sake. <laughs> I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. I'd like to thank Shiraz for being here. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for uh, bringing these great wines and, and showing what it's all about uh, and, and actually, you know, Carrying the the flag for Gamay because I, I think it's a great variety that really needs somebody to, to hold it up, and you're doing a great job there. Um, you can follow me on social media through the Grape Guy or Michael Pinkus or Michael Pinkus Wine Review and all that jazz. And as the sun is, I guess, starting. I to love set, these days. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray. And Adam Duran.